1: And I'm excited to be here today. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. I have a great interview for you today with a guest that I've known for a little while, and I love her, and I'm so excited to share her with you. So Her name is Melissa Buckley, and she has endured a number of life's challenges, but has found greater strength through her faith in the Savior and wants to help others do the same. She strives to share how purpose, resilience, and healing all come through Jesus Christ. So Melissa lives in Las Vegas, Nevada with her husband and twin toddlers. And a fun fact about her is that she went to the Le Cordon Bleu Culinary School, which I'm super impressed with. And she also spent several years running a wedding cake business. Melissa is now enjoying life as a stay-at-home mom by day and is a writer by night. And she started her personal blog five years ago and and began writing professionally this past year. Her work's been published in LDS Living, and she contributes regularly to various online publications, including K West's, a worldwide sisterhood blog. For her latest endeavor, she is currently gearing up to launch a Kickstarter for the world's first in-depth Patriarchal Blessings Study Guide. I think that is something that we all need to know about. That sounds amazing. And it's a project that's aiming to help women find greater purpose and understanding through targeted study of their spiritual gifts, lineage, and other elements common to patriarchal blessings. Helping women embrace their unique contributions to the gathering of Israel in the last days is one of Melissa's greatest passions. So I am excited to introduce you to her today, and welcome to the podcast, Melissa. Thank you, Darla. I'm happy to be here. So happy to have you. Okay. So Le Cordon Blue. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just start with that? I'll yes.
0: Oh, it was That's amazing. My- <laughs> <laughs> it was one of my dreams for a long time, and it was one of those blessings that I had to wait for. Um, but once it was the right time, it was a wonderful blessing. And it's something that I still use every day, even though I'm not in a professional kitchen, I get to cook for my kids every day. Oh, so my, it's a my, fun
1: skill, my kids wish that I went to, La
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am the worst cook
1: ever. Like, so I'm so impressed by that. And yes, Aww. your family will re- reap those blessings for many years. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Okay. So let's dive in and, and talk about your story. So let's start off. I said that you have twin toddlers, right? Yes. And that was not something that happened overnight or came easily to you. No. I know that you struggled with infertility. Tell me about a little bit about that time in your life.
0: We had been married for about four years, I think at this point, and we felt like it was time to start a family. And we started trying and weren't having any luck We tried all the different apps that are out there now to like Mm -hmm. help track things and all that. And it just wasn't working. A few months in, my sister got pregnant and that was really great, but also really hard. And because we had started trying around the same time, but I knew I could, you know, I wanted to keep going and see what we could do. And after that, I experienced two miscarriages and that was really hard. Um, to not feel like I could trust my body and to wonder if I would able, ever be able to, to hold a pregnancy to, to full term. Um, so shortly after that, I asked for a blessing for my husband and was assured that this was a time in my life where my faith needed to be tested and to grow and to grow patience. And I was like, okay, I can do it. And um, more months passed and I started to lose hope And we went to a general conference um, in person and I had more than one prompting that it was time to go to the fertility doctor, which I was terrified to do because that meant knowing answers to things that maybe I didn't want to know the answer to because maybe that meant that a door would close. But after lots of stretching my faith, I made the jump to go to the fertility doctor and found that there were some things that could be fixed and some that could not Both me and my husband took some medication to fix some minor things, but I had a couple of procedures and found out that one of my fallopian tubes is blocked. And so I only release an egg every other month. So that made it really tricky to get pregnant. Also, my egg count is incredibly low for my age. So I will likely go into menopause in the next five or 10 years. So now my time to get pregnant was significantly less than I had thought um, I was 28 at the time, and we had already waited longer than I had planned. We decided to continue to try on our own. We, we talked about IVF, but we didn't feel like it was that time yet. Um, in fact, we came away from the last meeting with the fertility doctor, giving us all of our options laid out. And my husband said, as we walked to the car, you know, she's a doctor and she knows a lot of things, but she also doesn't know that our God is a God of miracles, and that was a nice foreshadowing (laughs) for our story. Um, So about a month later, we were at a family reunion and I was with all my cousins and all of their kids. And um, that was really hard to see everyone with kids and I was without children. And my sister had just had her baby and it was a wonderful time, but it was also this really Difficult time for me, and we—it was—I had all this great time with my dad and my stepmom and my uh, my brother and other extended family, and I felt very strongly that I needed to ask my dad for a blessing, which you know he hadn't given me one in years because I had been away from home for ten years. And you know, as we were all getting ready to go to bed, I said, "Dad, do you think you could give me a blessing um, with oil?" and that maybe we could figure out what my next step is. And it was just our immediate family in that hotel room. You know, my husband got dressed in his church clothes and my dad got ready as well. And my dad, he asked me, he said, what do you need from this blessing? And I needed to know if it wasn't in the cards for me to be a mother that I needed to know what I was supposed to do. My husband did the anointing with the oil and then my dad gave the full blessing, which was a really cool experience to have him be able to do that again. And I'm someone who likes to record blessings so that I can type them up. And it's been something that I've referred to quite a lot. He says, or the spirit rather, said in the blessing that my body would be made whole and it would be strong and healthy and produce the children that I desired to have and that I would have... know, strong spirits come into my home. And that was an amazing moment for our family. So the next month, I was in a place of just having faith and not really trying to control everything anymore and not wanting to track everything. And I was just moving forward in faith and it would happen as it would happen. And the time came for the time of the month and it passed and nothing happened. And I was like, well, maybe I am pregnant. I was uh, six weeks along at that point, and I finally had the courage to take the test <laughs> because I had taken it so many times before, and um, it was positive, and it was this miraculous moment where I had finally fully given over my will to Heavenly Father, and that's when he stepped in and gave me that miracle. Because we were seeing the fertility doctor at the time. I called her and told her that we had a positive test and she wanted me to do the blood test, which normally you don't do. And she called me back and she's like, your levels are really high. Do you want to come in for a a, a ultrasound? And I was like, sure. (laughs) And then we found out it was twins.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is such a miracle because most people probably assume if you were having infertility problems and then you have twins, like that there was some kind of you know, drug involved or something yes, to, to bring about
0: twins. And you did it naturally. That we That did. Really
1: is a miracle.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we've had people comment that before and I'm like, you know, I want to correct them. And I'm like, there's not enough time to tell a good enough story and how it <laughs> went. And like, um, But for us, it was this wonderful thing that mirrored all of the trials we had been through. Not only did we get pregnant, we got pregnant with twins after having learned that my egg count was low and we had less time to conceive and grow our family the way we had wanted to. So he kind of made us wait longer, but he gave us double blessings.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's really amazing. And I love the miracle of that story. And then the next part of your story is really miraculous as well, because I know you shared with me that you you figured out after you, so you have, you get pregnant, you have your twins And then shortly after you kind of realize that you have postpartum depression and you, and I've talked to other women who have felt this way, whether they had fertility problems or not, like you feel so guilty and ashamed and the postpartum depression kind of takes over and you feel like, why am I not enjoying this motherhood and, and all of this? So
0: tell me about that time of your life. Oh, that was a rough time for me. And it absolutely was more difficult because I felt guilty and ashamed and I felt ungrateful. I had had this wonderful miracle come to pass and I had full term babies, which with twins is mm-hmm. not always the case, and they were healthy and doing well. And I was like, why am I not doing better? And it actually took quite a bit for me to realize it. With twins, I. Just was doing stuff all the time. I had them on a schedule so that they would nap at the same time. And I just was continuing to keep myself busy almost as a mask to the depression. And what really turned the leaf for me to understand how I was actually doing was when I did the seven day social media fast with the youth. It was then when I decided, you know, off of social media and I was going to kind of refocus things and not have the TV on. And I realized that I was struggling and it was this heartbreaking thing to think I'm following the prophet and doing the social media fast. And why is it this, this time that I'm feeling that I have this crushing depression? Like, how is this fair? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, how is that the answer? And it was really hard. I, I didn't feel like I could talk to anyone about it because everyone was like, you're doing so great, Melissa. I can't believe how well you're doing. And I was like, oh. Not doing as well as you think i am and it was just this thing where i was like who am i supposed to tell so i talked to my mom a bit and she was like you have to go to the doctor so i went to the doctor and um luckily was able to get medication and then i came home and told my husband which in hindsight was not the smartest idea but i was just struggling with those feelings so much that i wanted i needed to get help first and then be able to share it. The the real key for me was, in those first couple of weeks after having medication and beginning to see the clouds lift, was preparing for general conference. And I've always loved conference, but I just felt like this extra need to prepare. And I had been reading uh, The Mother Your Children Need by Christy Gardner, and she has this line, or this chapter rather, where she talks about how The answers to why you're the children your mother need is likely in your patriarchal blessing. And I began to study it. And there's a line in mine that says that you'll be an example to your children. And I was like, well, I better start doing what I'm supposed to be doing so that I can be a good example. And I studied all the rest of my blessing and found what God needed me to do. And then from there, prepared questions going into conference. And then the prophet had all of these. Challenges for us to read the Book of Mormon, to do another social media fast, um, to attend the temple, and those things. And all of the blessings that he promised were what I was looking for. And that completely turned the tide. Because I was in this broken state when I went into conference, I was now more ready to receive all of that direction from the prophet. And I was so eager to do that. And reading the Book of Mormon in three months sounds impossible when you have twin nine-month-olds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like impossible.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah. That was going to be my next question. Like, how did you do that? Nine-month-old twins and, oh and you're saying, I'm going to follow the prophet. Like, what did that look like? Did you read every day? Did you have a
0: set time? Did you just fit it in when you could? Well, the first couple of days I would just read kind of haphazardly during the day while they were awake and like at nap time And, and I just figured found that that wasn't working at first because I wasn't reading enough every day to keep up with the schedule and so what ended up happening is like I said I had them on a good schedule so every night before they went to bed or right after they went into bed I put them to bed and then I read my book of mormon and that was it. Every single night, that was the plan. Before I did the dishes, before whatever else, put the kids in bed, read your Book of Mormon. And that was huge. We even have a joke, my husband and I, that, that time, he would we would always kind of check in with each other at night. And be like, Okay, are you going to work on stuff tonight? Or do you want to spend time together? Or what's on the schedule or whatever. And then he would come and ask me, What are you doing tonight? I'm reading the Book of Mormon. And that was always (laughs) my answer. Well, I'll do that first and then we can watch our show or whatever. And it was scheduling that that was crucial. And we had some rough times with the kids in that three months where they had another sleep regression and they weren't sleeping. And still somehow I managed to make the time, even if I was exhausted, or if I didn't read as much as I should have. So I had a like a calendar printout from Pinterest or something that had it blocked out into the 90 days. And that was helpful. So some nights I read the full, you know, 12 or 18 pages or whatever it was. And some nights I didn't, and some I read more. And there was even a week in there where I did a lot of writing about my experience where I didn't read because I felt called to to write. And then I would catch up, but having it the same time every day while my kids were asleep, while the house was quiet, that was life-changing.
1: That is amazing that you were able to do that. And what so timely that it came in your life after you kind of felt broken down and then you listened to conference and, and you'd write when you needed it, you know, the prophet yeah. gives this call to, to do it. I would love to know, what were the blessings that you felt? I mean, you've already mentioned like you had more energy, you were able to, you know, somehow do it. And what were some of the blessings that you felt from that, from reading the Book of Mormon and really giving it that effort for
0: that 90 days? One of the biggest things is that my countenance changed. So, you know, I talk about I started the the antidepressants for the postpartum depression and then I began reading the Book of Mormon and for me those two together were crucial for my well-being, my mental and my spiritual well-being. Even my physical to understand like you need to take care of yourself and get enough sleep and all of those things. But even now, like a year and a half later, I've had a couple of rough days with postpartum depression still and I wonder is it time to up my dosage? But then I think, when did I read the Book of Mormon last? And I think, it's been a couple days. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> and to me, it's, it's this very causal relationship where it really is medication plus the Book of Mormon equals happy Melissa. And um, we had an experience in those three months where my son had surgery on a minor birth defect. And it was a very terrifying thing that we learned when he was born. And we were very nervous about it, but I just remember that day being so full of the spirit and peaceful and not worried one bit. And that if something went wrong, that we would figure it out. And we trusted the surgeon and all of those things. And it was this, to me, it's the fruits of the spirit. It's when you're putting God first then he's going to bless you with his spirit and his countenance and all those things to be able to give you the strength to handle those difficult days.
1: Yeah, I really love that. I think I totally believe that. And I think that you felt the power of the Book of Mormon, which is something I've been thinking a lot about. And I've felt it too in my life. I had something happen the other day that I know that any other time in my life, I probably would have totally freaked out. (laughs) But I remained calm. And it's because I have been really, Diving into the Book of Mormon. Oh, yeah. I know, I know that's why I was like, okay. And it all worked out and it was okay. So, absolutely. I Power totally feel is that in my word. life. So, so I really, uh, from, from the meeting, meeting you in person and following you on Instagram and, you know, reading the things that you've written, I, I really gather from you that you, you really just have this natural spirituality. And, and that doesn't mean that it comes easy or that you, you know, that you don't have to work at it or anything, but I really, that's one of the things that really draws me to you.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And one of the
1: things, I know one of the things that you've, you've said in the past is the way for me to be the best mother for my children is to have a deep relationship with God. And then, and then you also shared with me your favorite scripture. So I want, I want to share this and then I want you to tell me kind of what that all means to you. So. The favorite scripture is 2 Corinthians 3, 5, that says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. What does all that mean to you and how does it apply? How do you apply it in motherhood?
0: You know, it's funny when we were preparing for this, you know, one of the questions you asked me is what your, what's your message about motherhood? And I wasn't sure because for me, my main message isn't about motherhood, which sounds funny, but for me, the message is to be a disciple first, because the reason that I can do hard things and the hard things related to motherhood is because of God in my life. And because of Jesus Christ, you know, people ask me, how do you deal with twins? And how, you know, how do you do it? And sometimes I'll say, You know, I keep them on a schedule. I'm more efficient because they're both the same age and, you know, answers like that. But really, if I'm in the right place, the answer is Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. It's because of Jesus Christ. And for me, Heavenly Father is our father, first and foremost. We call him God, yes, but he is our father. And... I was listening to I'm a Child of God the other day, and I think I've always thought of that song as a child talking to their parent and saying, Help me get back to God. But in that moment, I thought, This is me talking to Heavenly Father. Show me the way back. Show me how to get there because He's our Father. He's our Godly Father, and He knows how to parent His children. And when I let Him be my father and show me the way to be like his son, to be more Christ-like, to have a desire to read the scriptures and serve and love no matter what. That is how I can be a good mother. I can read all the parenting books I want, but the ultimate teacher for me is my heavenly father. When I'm having a bad day, I want my mom or I need to pray to my heavenly father for comfort. And I imagine our heavenly Heavenly mother is involved in that. But I feel like for me, I can have a relationship with my heavenly father and he can love me in a godly way so that I can try and emulate that when I mother my children. And when I am calm, when my toddlers are freaking out and they're throwing a tantrum because I didn't let them have the right color straw, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, can, I can be calm. Or when they both get up in the middle of the night, I can be calm because when I've been freaking out like a tantrumy toddler, <laughs> my heavenly father has been there to comfort me and he gives me the strength to do that for them as well.
1: Oh, I love that so much. And I was thinking as you were as you were talking, um, especially that phrase about, you know, being a disciple of Jesus Christ first. I know we've talked before about that. And you know, you're a disciple of Jesus Christ first and then mother being a mother is second to that. And which sometimes seem you know, in the world standards that seems backwards. Like motherhood should be the most important thing.
0: Absolutely. But I
1: was thinking as you were talking that motherhood changes. Like you know you're going to you're going to leave the season of your kids fighting you know being throwing a tantrum over the color of the straw right yeah, yeah. and and then you're going to deal with stuff you know you're going to deal with all these different seasons of motherhood we all are yeah. right i mean for our entire lives we, motherhood is is a calling that we have forever but it changes yeah. it mm-hmm. doesn't say the same so it makes sense that we have the the most important thing in our life is the con- is a constant yeah is something that doesn't change, and that is our savior, Absolutely. so no matter what we're going through, big things, little things um you know, whatever we have that constant of the savior i love 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 that you've that you figured that out, and um I really
0: like that thought
1: i'm gonna mm-hmm. i'm gonna
0: think on that more <laughs> really I love the idea that he's who keeps me grounded in the crazy days of motherhood mm-hmm. like I can do breathing exercises and whatever else and, you know, motherhood hacks or whatever, but really the when I'm have God constantly in my life, my consistency in being a loving mother who's patient is, is just completely different. Yeah, totally. It, it, it's a, it's a game
1: changer for sure. Do you have do you have any specific experiences that you could share
0: that show how developing spiritually has helped you as a mother? When my son was maybe 4 weeks old, he had a really hard time nursing. He was so frustrated, and even now knowing him as a toddler, he gets frustrated pretty easily. He gets angry and He'll like go in the corner and be angry. <laughs> like, I know him well enough now that he gets upset. And even at four weeks old, I could tell that he was frustrated that he wasn't nursing well. So we supplemented with bottles, and and even then he would get hungry really fast and he would get upset. And I just remember, in that moment, wishing that I could help him, and seeing him suffer like hurt me. And I think so often we think... Why does God give me this trial? Why does he let this happen? But I think we forget that he is also our father and he grieves when we grieve. Even when Christ was in the garden, he left. I I imagine that was so hard for him to see his son go through so much pain. And I think when we see our children go through so much pain, it helps us to be more empathetic and grow in ways that we we need. I was reading Covenant Women in Partnership with God from President Iring. I was reading it last night. He talks about how being a disciple of Jesus Christ prepares you to serve as a ministering sister and in your family and as a mother and he says that the service that the Lord calls you to do will be suited perfectly to that person, perfectly suited to you. And I have felt that so much difficult experiences from a perspective of the gospel, and um, not even a, an eternal perspective, but just a, a more broad perspective to see outside of that one moment that the answer is always Jesus Christ. Are you having a hard day? Pray, and you'll be comforted. Are you struggling with imperfection or sin or whatever else? Jesus Christ is the answer. Are you praying? Are you struggling with being patient with your children? Ask God how to show you how to do that i've been studying meekness along with doctrine covenants section 25 that the prophet asked us to study Um, in fact meekness is in my patriarchal blessing and so i've wanted to understand it better there's this talk from uh, neely maxwell every one of us who has not already had the experience must must meet it of being tested in every place where we are weak. The Lord specifically promised the meek that he would make weak things become strong unto you. The Lord has displayed much gentleness and tenderness in tutoring of meek individuals. The Lord likewise usually assigns the individual a portion of the Lord's work to do. The disciples course involves more lab and field work than lectures. And to me, the way that God teaches us is... In everyday life, in family life. And we can read talks all day, but when we don't experience it and apply it in our lives, there's no power. And I love reading the scriptures. That's like my favorite thing to do. But if I don't apply it, then I am not exercising enough faith because when we act on what we learn, we show God that we can trust Him with what He's teaching us and He will teach us more. And I have felt that when I do hard things and hold my tongue and pray instead of yell, God gives me strength and he shows me more and how to be more like his, his son. It's a pattern a, of a way that Heavenly Father parents us.
1: And we can use that same pattern in our lives. Because one of the things I've been thinking about so much is how, because I have kids that are leaving home, I'm like, constantly looking back did i do everything i should have like are they did they learn everything they needed yeah. to it's really easy to get caught up on did we have family scripture enough did we do family home evening enough all that and what i have kind of been thinking about is that teaching the gospel in your home is so much more about the everyday living and the the, the mundane things and the and the just the small moments yes and your example and and, and i'm not saying that family scripture study or family home evening, you know, those things are important. And, and I try to do them. But yeah. I also think there is there sh- we should have a huge emphasis on being in tune enough that we can capture those moments when our kids are, are ready and want to hear something and we can identify the Holy Ghost and, you know, all those things. And those happen very informally absolutely in our everyday life. So I love what you're saying, because it's a pattern that, you know, how Heavenly Father has helped you. Mm -hmm. And he helps all of us that way. And we can apply it in the way that we parent our own children. I love that. Love, love, love it. Of course, I have one final question for you. Yes. And that is, how have you seen and felt your heavenly parents helping you and being your partner in motherhood?
0: You know, I have seen them every step of the way and maybe not in the moment, but every step of the way. I remember a couple of years before we started trying to get pregnant and- I was feeling a little bit lost and I prayed, okay, if I'm feeling lost, do, is it time to start a family? And I was sitting in my favorite reading chair and I was just crying while I was praying. And I was like, is it time to start a family? And I just still felt upset. And then I said, or is it not time yet? And then I felt this calm come upon me that it wasn't time yet. And looking back knowing all the things that the doctors told me i could have been upset at that moment but i know that the time between then was a time of tutoring as well to prepare me for all of the things that came after for the infertility for a twin pregnancy that was exhausting to having twins and the postpartum depression and everything it was this preparation to know that that god knew my path better than i did there's this great quote from that same talk from elder maxwell and he says the meek individual may not be sure and able to always fully decipher what is happening to him or around him however even though he does not know the meaning of all things he knows that the lord loves him he may feel overwhelmed but unlike the proud he is not out of control in fact the in some moments, it is important for us to be still and know that he is God. And for me, I've seen God teach me that time and time again. And to choose faith over frustration and to see his hand over time, I can look back and say, that was really hard. And that was really hard. But look at all the things I've learned. And if I had had a different attitude, I may not have learned them. And to be meek and to submit to those trials, even though they're hard, that's when we can be taught the most by the spirit and by our father who wants us to be the best that we can be. That is beautifully said
1: and a great place to end. Thank you so much, Melissa. I appreciate you being here.
0: You're so welcome.